Welcome back to Teaching Tuesdays. We are working our way through the American literature curriculum that I used in the classroom. We are still on Unit 1, talking about the colonial time period. And we are going to do in, go into a multi-lesson um, mini-unit within this unit, the colonial time period, to talk about this, um, the Salem Witch Trials and the play called The Crucible. Now, since this is a play, and I'm the only one who is talking and speaking on this podcast at the time of these uh, initial episodes being published, um, I'm going to forego reading the actual play word for word, since it's just me. If you would like to read and or listen, watch the play, you can watch the movie, you can go see the play being performed live, you can read the play yourself, whatever it may be, but I am not going to publish that here on this podcast because that would just take too much out of, off to put too much on me to have to try and get that done, and in the classroom I usually would have the students read a majority of the characters, so since it's just me, it's going to be a little difficult for me to read all the characters and for you guys to be able to keep them straight. So that's what I recommend that you do before we actually dive into the actual individual acts. Um, but I, whenever it comes to the individual acts, I will talk about some of the things that happened and try to give you a general summation. Some of the things that you need to take away from the acts. So that way you can be kind of a companion listening guide for you as you go on. So, but for today, we're just going to talk about um, some of the background information about the actual Salem witch trials themselves, and then we'll next week we will go into um, the actual talking of those um, things that you need to know for each act. So stay tuned to hear some background information. All right. So, what I would do in the classroom before we would. Um, start reading the Crucible by Arthur Miller. I would have um, my students watch a documentary that's up on YouTube called the Salem Witch Trials History Channel. And I would have them write down 10 facts from that documentary. Um, I didn't do that myself, but I re- highly recommend you go watch that um, documentary yourself. But I have 10 facts that I found interesting and let's see if you can figure those out for yourself and if you find them in the video, if you do go watch them. Um, the first thing I found interesting was that there was about 200 people who were wrongfully put to death because they were thought to be controlled by the dogs that they owned. Um, those dogs were also put to death because back in those the 1600s, early 1600s when this took takes place, um, it was thought that dogs were... Um, you know, easily linked to the devil. So, thought the devil was controlling the people through the dogs, and therefore their owner, the dog's owners, were bewitched and were controlled that way. The second thing is that if you were accused of being a witch, you could have your lands taken away from you by the state and or the government of your township, and you won't get it back, even if you you were weren't killed as a witch. 
but you were still thought of as one. You couldn't get that back. Um, number three, um, for those who are of more than their fair share of moles and beauty marks, um, it was believed that in order to figure out if a person was a witch or not, they mustn't have a single blemish, mole, or freckle marring their skin, whether man or woman. It was believed that moles served as the spot where their animal familiars would feed from them, and so it was believed that if you were accused, you would have moles to match, and you were in big trouble. Number four. Um, if you were sentenced to die by beheading, hanging, drowning, or stoning, um, if you were a witch, about 19 deaths were sentences to death, with 20 that were by stoning. Rest made up the 200 count for being accused for witchcraft, um, or they wasted away in the jail cells until they were finally set free when the trials were put to an end. That's quite a few people. Um, the Salem witch trials were less about witchcraft towards the end and more about the safe Christianity, since you remember in the Puritan times, religion and Christianity was the reason they went to America, and it was, you know, everything about their society and interactions were Christian-related. So, you know. That's another reason why Salem Witch Trials became what they did, because lots of people were um, sentenced to death because of heresy, which meant they were showing an outward denial of the demanded Christian beliefs of that time. Um, it was a crime that, so heinous that colonial law allowed all other laws to be superseded and to, to be able to deal with that threat. That's, in a way, kind of extreme. But, that's my opinion on it. Number five. Um, that's what we just did. Okay, so we're moving on to six. Some of the attitudes in the Salem Witch Trials are still seen today. Seen today. One of the most popular points of view is that if you were against the trials, then you were, in fact, an advocate for those witches. That meant that you could also have been a witch yourself. Those extremes are also seen today as people take one side of an issue and anyone who disagrees with that becomes the enemy. That's the proof that history does indeed repeat itself over and over and over again. Number seven. One of the biggest problems that helped to cause the Salem Witch Trials was the existence of the, a smallpox outbreak. This was way before vaccinations were made available against the disease. And... Until up until the vet, they were available, three in ten people would die from smallpox. Children, of course, were especially vulnerable to the disease, and it, in the two three years before the trials, um, the disease was spreading like in, in epidemic proportions. People at the time didn't understand the whole science behind the di smallpox disease. So they naturally look to supernatural causes to explain the problems. So having an angry witch killing your children made sense to why they would get the smallpox disease and die from it. Alright, number eight. The Salem Witch Trials would have probably gone on indefinitely if it weren't for the actions of Governor Phipps. 
he declared that the trials must stop because there was too great a possibility that innocent people were being put to death. Many people associated the punishment of witchcraft as being burned at the stake, but that never actually happened in Salem. People were either hung from the gallows or stoned to death. Considering one of the accusations made was that witches were, quote-unquote, pinching people in their sleep, the consequence of death for such actions seems a bit extreme. So every woman who confessed to witchcraft lived. Every woman who denied it was hanged. That is perhaps the most interesting fact of the entire trials. That, you know, if they confessed, they lived, but if they denied it, they died. That's, that's very much of an oxymoron. Number nine, during the trials, many tests were created to determine if someone was a witch or not. In this case, an accused person would have their finger tied to their opposite toe and lowered into a body of water. If they floated, they were a witch, but if they sank, they weren't. The danger, of course, was drowning if they left the suspect in the water for too long. Which, is not, again, like, you know, beforehand, you know, very interesting and very much of an oxymoron. And then the last um, fact, fact number 10 that I want to bring up is the subject of torture because they would use torture to get confessions. And that, that was very common practice during these trials. Um, it usually led to bizarre and fantastical confessions, to say the least. Um, if, when you read the play, you'll see that there's a character named Tituba. And she was a slave who was being severely beaten. And in order to get out of being beaten and from the pain, she cried out that the devil made her do it. That came out to her and came, and, you know, pretty much she was demonically possessed. And she had no control over her body because Satan was controlling her. And then she talked about later, you know, about Black dogs, red cats, yellow birds, white-haired man that made her sign the devil's book. It's all listed there in the play. If you read it or watch the movie, and she, she'll talk about it. But those are the ten facts that I found while I was doing research and watching the documentary. If there's anything else that you find interesting, make a note of it and let me know, and I will definitely add it to my list. Alright, so then the next thing I have them do is to just... Overall, do some research on the sa- exactly what happened in the Salem Witch Trials and then to summarize it. So I'm going to do my best to do that. Um, I, the best way I found was that was from history.com. They were able to sum it all up better than I could. So, based on history.com, they say, The infamous Salem Witch Trials began during the spring of 1692 after a group of young girls in Salem Village, Massachusetts, claimed to be possessed by the devil and accused several local women of witchcraft. As a wave of hysteria spread throughout colonial Massachusetts, a special court convened in Salem to hear the cases. The first convicted witch, Bridget Bishop, was hung that June. Eighteen others followed Bishop to Salem's Gallows Hill, while some 150 more men, women, and children were accused over the next several months. By September of 1692, the hysteria had begun to abate and public opinion turned against the trials. 
though the Massachusetts General Court later annulled guilty verdicts being accused against accused, which is in granted enmities to their families. Bitterness lingered in the community, and painful legacy of the Salem witch trials would endure for centuries after that. So that was basically a good summation from History.com that I liked and thought was really good. And then the last thing is more of a personal question that I asked them and that they have to think about throughout the entirety of reading the play and then answering the questions and discussing it. And it always comes up whenever we're talking. Um, but I ask them, if you were in that situation, the Salem Witch Trials, would you lie and say you were a witch to save your life? Because, as we know from the facts that if they confessed, they lived. Or would you tell the truth and risk being hanged? Because, you know, they, if they admitted they survived. Or if they told the truth and said, I'm not a witch, there's no way I could be a witch, they were killed by hanging or stone, stoning. So I always ask them to think about that without reading the story and based on this information and their own personal research that they had to do. Would they lie saying they were a witch so that way they could live? Or would they tell the truth and say they are not a witch and end up dying by being hung? So I want you guys to think about that as we talk about Salem Witch Trials in the form of the play of The Crucible. And I talk about some of the things that you need to, you know, be aware of. And then I recommend that you watch either the movie and or watch um, a recording of the play. Read the play yourself. Whatever you do. I recommend that you do read the play yourself or watch one of those things because... It will make things much easier here on out in regards to the Salem Witch Trials in the form of The Crucible. So I will see you next week when we start talking about the each individual act of the play The Crucible.